I'm Fathery. This is Dave. And this is Antonia. And this is Text Trek. Engage. back aboard the Starship Texas for the 80th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we talk all about Star Trek old and new. And tonight, we are here to talk about Star Trek Las Vegas. And we're doing things uh, very differently. Uh, we are actually just recording our audio separately from any video, uh, because I am still in Las Vegas. And we wanted to do this live, but Google decided to really screw over those plans and discontinue uh, the Google Hangout option for live streams, and I didn't have enough time to come up with an, an alternative. So here we are. Hopefully this will be out either late Sunday night or early Monday morning, but the the 80th installment of Text Trek. Father, I feel like it's well, like you're marooned in space like, like Kirk <laughs> on the Genesis planet. Well, Buried well, we, alive. We, um, yeah, because uh, no one no one can see our faces right now. I think they're actually going to be looking at uh, either a star field if they're watching the video, or they're going to be looking at just a um, repeated cycle of pictures or footage or both from the convention, which is probably what we're going to edit in here. So that sounds um, cool. Just, People don't need yeah, to see our dumb faces all the time. <laughs> As it's just, uh, but it's too bad because uh, your your girlfriend Antonia is uh, kindly joining us this time, and uh, you know we should at least make her be in front of camera and class it up <laughs> a bit. Well, yeah, she is uh, unfortunately uh, a bit camera shy, but she is joining us through the power of uh, microphones, and uh, you you might also hear Dave's cat Moon Pie in the background <laughs> because he is a. Uh, um, geez, I couldn't say what, he's, what his breed was. He's a Maine Coon, and they're talkative, okay? Oh, um, I thought you were going to say he's a Cation. <laughs> well, but, probably. But um, yeah, the, the, the show must go on. Right. And uh, with the, the 80th installment of, of Text Trek, this is now our uh, first episode where we've passed the original series, which only had 79. Oh, crazy. So the original that, series of our everyone. podcasts, the the TOF podcasts. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it took them uh, three seasons to hit seventy nine, and we've been doing this for about three years, so we're uh, on kind of the same um, same pace. Father, are you trying to say you're Kirk? Um, I think out of the uh, people who've appeared on our podcast, I am the most Kirkish. So I'll leave it. I, I have a girlfriend named Antonia. So oh, man. what do you think about that? <laughs> that is, I never thought we would make that kind of a call back to Star Trek Generations. <laughs> uh, fair enough. 
Uh, and and I feel like I'm kind of the Spock because I had to uh, duel in the pond for pond far the other day. No, <laughs> oh, I think you're too emotional to be Spock. You're kind of a big baby. <laughs> but uh, but I said uh, it was it's the pond far, okay. <laughs> well, the blood fever calls, but uh, but we will be talking about Star Trek Las Vegas, the the huge convention which just happened. Uh, we were here. I'm gonna for I'm gonna interview all... you about it because I have never been to such a thing and you will tell me all the things a person needs to know yeah and we we witnessed all five days of it mm-hmm. um before we get into that i did want to mention something serious i'm um, at the time of recording we had just recently experienced a uh tragic uh mass shooting in the city of el paso texas um the uh, birthplace of star trek's creator gene roddenberry of all places and this is something that was actually mentioned at the convention today during one of the Star Trek Discovery panels uh, that was brought up by the Dr. Colbert actor, Wilson Cruz, mm. who is a uh, Latino man himself. And he spoke about, you know, not only what it felt like to be a uh, Latino in America right now who is uh, a target that, that someone will apparently go out of their way to exterminate. Um, but he also asked for a moment of silence in the uh, Nimoy Theater uh, in remembrance of the people lost and in honor of those who lost loved ones there. And that's, a, the, that's a class act. I, I got to appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he's a, he's a classy guy. And uh, I, I hate to be uh, a downer and uh, bring this up, but if Star Trek has been anything, I think it's been kind of a... Um, collection of stories that serve as teaching opportunities. Yeah, and absolutely. Th- this is something that really needs to be uh, talked about and something that we really need to be thinking of, and that is that is the huge uh, epidemic we have in our society right now of uh, white supremacy uh, that, that feels like it feels like we have like a level of bigotry run amok, uh, un- unlike anything else I've seen in, in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it, the, the vibe is different. Uh, even the, my, uh, I'm going to say my most hated presidents of the past, uh, have generally tried to take on the role of a healer and, a, a conciliatory role to sort of bring the nation together during these times. And it feels like we are in anything but a conciliatory mode uh, or healing mode right now. Yeah, and I don't want to like draw this out because we already talked about it longer than than I intended to. But it's it's something that that everyone needs to be aware of and think about that this is this is not how things should be going in two thousand. Well, really, at any year, yeah. like we should <laughs> we should not have this level of violent bigotry run amok without. Um, people speaking out about it and wanting to to do something about it. Well, and I got that feeling a lot in this convention. Um, I feel like a lot of the guest stars were um, saying their piece, um, sometimes coded because of the non-political nature um, right. that they're trying to do in the convention, which was kind of frustrating for me. Um, yeah, uh, that's interesting. They, yeah, I didn't know that that was a tone that they would strike there. But, you know, I do know that that's probably, you know, as an actor, you, you, you want to have that to be a friendly event. You want it to have a broad appeal. So I can see why they might sort of speak in a little bit coded criticisms. Yeah. 
But there's a, I mean, there's a huge political slant among Star Trek fans. Um, it, it never once felt like someone disagreed with Get, that's thinking, good. I, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like there was like a white supremacist in the audience. Um, you know, I, the sad that, fact is there but... probably, I feel like there probably was, but it's a weird sure. thing to even think about, but, yeah. uh, but like I've seen enough message boards and posts. That's, and, that's and... a whole nother sect of people. Like the fans who give enough of a shit that they'll like, they're willing to like spend the money or put in the effort to do stuff like this yeah. are not the trolls that comment on message boards. I guess and that's those are, true. Those are, those, those two worlds are leagues apart. I just yeah. know. Yeah. So I, I just know that there's among any stripe of fans, I've always seen that there there's some essentially some low lives, some assholes, some judgmental scumbag bigots. No, we have the best fan base, but I, I yeah, do that. think that yeah, Trek is like I bet it's like very very few, very minimal presence there, and maybe no presence at all. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm proud of those actors for for saying that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's gonna be bad apples in every barrel, but yeah. if you talk to anyone who's part of the Star Trek fandom, I think who's in any marginalized group, at least out of the ones I've talked to, because I ask this question and they agree with me that out of all like the geeky fandoms out there, this is the one that's by far like the most inclusive and the one that's most welcoming and the one that's uh, I, 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 at the risk of sounding pretentious, I would say, like, the most, like, mature and aware of these types of issues and problems. And I take, uh, I take pride in being part of that. Yeah, I think, I think that's something that, that Gene Roddenberry would, would hopefully admire and be, and be happy with it as a legacy. And, and honestly, it's a legacy we should always be trying to live up to is that dream he had. For sure. Um, but, um, now that we've, we've gotten that out of the way, I would like to, uh, talk about some of the, the fun and awesome stuff that went on the last few days because it was very much fun and awesome. I, I was watching uh, and living vicariously through your posts through text track and stuff like that, <laughs> and uh, it did look super cool. Yeah, if uh, you don't follow me on Twitter or if you're not part of the Star Trek Facebook page, I'm, I'm sorry, the text track Facebook page, you need to be because uh, I was. Uh, trying to to document as much as i could um that's not true i could have taken like more pictures of cosplayers but uh there's only there's only so much time in a day and i had a bunch of panels to attend well you know so like, like when you posted like when sonequa martin green took the stage and i was like oh my god it's mm. it's burnham that's so cool and you know <laughs> like i didn't i didn't know who all was going to be there so should i jump in and start hitting you up with some questions and we'll uh you can kind of tell me about the con through this Yes, so Dave is going to debrief me and Antonia and ask us about our away mission to Las Vegas. Right, because I was not there. I'm a man on the street or a Starfleet admiral uh, holding your feet to the fire uh, to tell me what happened to you on the uh, pleasure planet. Yeah, you got an office job back in San Francisco. You're not in in the trenches like we are. But yeah, a fire away. All right, so I just have a real quick, simple first question, and I think I know the answer to this, but... Did you did you have fun? And, and I want to hear from both of y'all. Yeah, it was fun. There's definitely a lot of um, interesting conversations, not just um, at panels, which was great, mm-hmm. but also just with other fans that were around, at hanging around the hotel and the resort. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, and you're um, kind of and, and and Tony, I guess we I don't know if we said this in the introduction. But you didn't like come into the. You have not been a trekkie before uh, for uh, meeting fathering, I guess, right? 
Yeah, right. Antonio, why don't why don't you just like, introduce yourself a little bit? <laughs> yeah, and talk sorry, about, I, like, I was just, talk, I was careless. Talk about talk about like your relationship with with Star Trek and and how you ended up being someone attending Star Trek Las Vegas. Sure. So I don't want to go in too much detail, but um, I didn't grow up around geek culture very much because I grew up in Hawaii, and geek culture is just different there than than what. I've experienced knowing fathery. It's a bunch of anime nerds, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a lot of (laughs) manga in in Hawaii is what I got exposed to. Okay, sure. Which was not for me, but so I really didn't know. you weren't necessarily in those sort of geeky circles as much? Right, and I I don't think I knew a single Star Trek fan that I'm aware of growing up until I met a few people, including uh, Steven, or fathery. Uh, (laughs) But... When we moved in together, we he ended up convincing me to watch Star Trek. And we didn't really set out to do this, but in a year, <laughs> we watched every movie, every episode that was available at that time. It's before Discovery came yeah. on. So I believe it was 703 live-action episodes at the time and 13 movies. God, yeah. That's like a... That's like a few months of the year just all together. Yeah, I feel like and I you actually survived. got a diploma. I did survive, and I, I, I still deserve a diploma. I think I need, <laughs> I need a master's degree yeah, now. She's, Absolutely. She's <laughs> very well versed. You, but... you have seen more Star Trek uh, in raw hours than I have, so <laughs> I'm impressed. And I, I didn't try to force it on her. I It just so happened. Sometimes I Sometimes you did. I was watching... Enterprise. Uh, well (laughs) by that point we were in for a penny in for a pound yeah right but i had i had only shown her the um i mean like we started with the original series and that happened because i just so happened to be watching where no man had gone before Mm -hmm. what i consider to be like the true first episode of the original of, of star trek at all and um from there she just wanted to keep going with the original series she thought it was an interesting show uh, because she is someone who does kind of appreciate classic sci-fi stuff like uh, Soylent Green and um, some other some other classics out there. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah. yeah so right, um, something that's going to pose a bit of like a social issue or like really project a uh, a science fiction scenario that might make you make you think of it. Yeah. Yeah, and then we just pretty much like watched all of it in like uh, close to the the air date order. So we did TNG, and then we started. DS9 when we got into season six of TNG, and then we had Voyager and DS9, and then mm-hmm. finished off on Enterprise. And in time for Star Trek Discovery, she had seen everything. That is pretty cool. So, so you 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 know you were seeing sites and things at this convention that at this point have become now at least familiar to you in, in a lot of ways. They would almost have to be. Yeah, almost everything I saw I recognized. Sometimes I'm not good with names. Sure. Or if people didn't have prosthetics on, like they're you know, full on costume, I'd be like, who is that? I don't, I don't know who that is, but yeah. Yeah. I'd have to well, be like cool. Jeffrey Combs. He played Wayoon in DS9. Yeah. Well, I remember him. <laughs> but, but then she'd be like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Well, cool. In a little while, I will ask you all about some of the cosplay stuff, some favorites and things like that. And, uh, if, if you don't know their name, you can describe it and I'm sure Fathery <laughs> will pin it down. Sure. Um, Fathery, and, uh, well, so, so, and so Antonio, you had fun at the thing. Um, uh, Fathery, did you uh, did you enjoy the experience? I was miserable pretty much every minute of every hour. The whole no, it was it was a blast. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I had wanted to do Star Trek Las Vegas since they started it. Um, this is, is this your first time attending? Yes. Uh, when I was uh, a kid, and they still had they like they first opened the Star Trek experience that used to be in Vegas at the Hilton Hotel um, in like '98. 
Mm-hmm. I decided, like, oh, I'm going to go there and do that when I graduate high school. Um, so what took but, you so long? That's a long time. I just, like, st- st- I have had, like, a bunch of jobs, and mm-hmm. sometimes I had more money than other times, and sometimes it was just busier than other times. But I I think the first year I would have had, like, a the ability to do it probably would have been 2016 around the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. But there was also when I was trying to start Text Trek. I was also trying to do some, some other stuff in my personal life. And I ended up putting... We, Almost came last year, and at like the last minute, I decided like, no, it's not going to fit in the budget. But I was following everything on Twitter, on Facebook, everyone's social media, listening to podcasts from from people who had who were here. And when I saw like the footage on YouTube of Patrick Stewart making his surprise appearance on stage oh, and man. announcing the the return of Picard, that's when I knew like, okay, I'm going next year for sure. <laughs> come hell, come hell or high water, I will be in Vegas. And, so here uh, I am. Do you see yourself uh, make it, making the trip again? I don't know if I can do it yearly, but it, it's something that I, I plan on doing again. Like if you had the means, you would. Yeah. Um, it, it might not happen every year. It might not happen every two years. But certainly like every three years, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like to believe. I, 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 will, I shall return. <laughs> so uh, for, those, for those who haven't gone, uh, is this indeed the, the biggest Star Trek convention? Uh, yeah, um, this is, this is by far, like, the biggest Star Trek event that, that they hold. Um, there aren't as many dedicated Star Trek conventions as there used to be, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if that's back, back in the heyday. Now that there's so much material coming out. Yeah. I don't know, just, like, the whole, like, convention experience is so different now than it was, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's a mm-hmm. thing now. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, largely that Star Trek helped start, right. but. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and this one, it's like a five-day thing, so Wednesday through Sunday? Yes. Nice. So uh, if you if you stay the whole time, you're going to get pretty Im- good and immersed in Star Trek. Uh, yeah. And tell me, where where does it take place? What uh, hotel or convention The center? Rio. Yeah, by the, at the time of recording, we are actually in the uh, hotel of the uh, Rio Casino. Mm-hmm. Um... The uh, if I were to if I'm walking the convention floor there, uh, what am what am I gonna see? Uh, lots of exhibits. Is it? I mean, just uh, how lots of cosplayers. What's the what's the a look lot of it? things are contained in different rooms. Okay. Um. So if you were looking to go to Quark's Bar, you know you have like a little map and you know what room to go to. Um, Quark's there's different Bar stages. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me yeah. more about that. Did they have Quark's Bar set up there? Uh, a, a little bit. I'll have, like, some pictures cycling through the video of this, hopefully. Um, if not, you can see them on my social media. But th- it's it's not as cool as what they used to have at the Hilton back in the day, um, from 98 to 2008, which... Right, that was, like, a dis- full-on attraction, right? Yeah. Um, which, which, which was discontinued, and I, I missed the boat on that. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they do have, like, a little little bar where they have uh some some star trek themed drinks there's Which are really fun like yeah. have you got to experience that on the cruise too mm-hmm. like all the themed food and themed drinks i don't know what it is but it just makes <laughs> it feel real special yeah. yeah it feels it doesn't feel like you're just ordering you know a cranberry and vodka which is mm-hmm. 
what I drink a lot, it was like, oh, there's something new on the menu. Okay. Yeah, we, we have also attended the Star Trek cruise, for those who don't know. But yeah, I mean, the, some of the themed drinks were, of course, Romulan L, Klingon Blood Wine. There's also a James T, T-E-A, James T. Kirk, <laughs> which uh, was a tea-based drink. Long um, Island iced tea, almost. Yeah, it was yeah. very similar to a Long Island. The Long Island um, iced tea. James T. Kirk. <laughs> also a, a Ractagino, the Klingon coffee. Mm. All right. So, um, but uh, I have uh, curiosity, they, did, was, the, the bar wasn't by chance being tended by somebody dressed as a Ferengi, were they? Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, But no. They, I think they used to do that in the old days. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's something they can aspire to do again in the future. Uh, and in general, like, were there a lot of cosplayers? I saw there lots of a cool ton. costumes, but I didn't know how many there were. It felt it felt like half the people here were cosplaying. It's probably a little less than that. It was, yeah, it was, it was probably like half. one out of three or one out of four, but that's still like a pretty large chunk of of, of people cosplaying. Yeah. Um, would y'all ever consider cosplaying? So, uh, see, I like to be recognizable as fathery of text trek, so <laughs> I feel like the only cosplay I can do would be things where I still kind of look like myself. So like either like. Like fa- fathery <laughs> with a Klingon forehead, which I did on the Star Trek cruise, mm-hmm. or maybe I could do like you a Star. Called you ugly as a Klingon. Oh, uh, I took it as a compliment. <laughs> or maybe I could do like a Starfleet uniform, but still have my my trademark cap on backwards. That'd be. Uh, uh, I feel like you need a lower decks costume for that, fathery. <laughs> um, possibly, uh, but we have some we have some lower decks info we got if you want to ask us about that later. But um, but nope. yeah, just just. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna skip that. No, uh, you're gonna. I think you're gonna like lower decks. Uh, okay. Uh, well, but, um, let me let me ask you. Uh, what what were you mainly there for? More like what was the thing you were y'all were most interested to see? Um, and then tell me what I'll, it was I'll, and then, I'll, like I'll how take, it was. I'll take this one first, but then we'll circle back to Antonia. But the things I was most interested to see was the the panel seeing some of the actors in person that I hadn't seen before um and like the discovery people I hadn't seen any of them but now I've seen all of them <laughs> except Did you for, want to uh, see them to uh to get autographs to interact with them to just see them um for me I'm not a huge autograph collector anymore mm-hmm. like I used to be uh but I I I just wanted to like see them and if possible uh talk to them ask a question at a panel or maybe like shake a hand of of someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just just visually seeing them, I, I that's that's kind of what I like to do is just like collect memories of of seeing some of these uh, people that are really cool and famous and important to me. And in addition to that, I also wanted to come just to meet all the other fans that come here. A lot of people who I know only from interacting with online, but I could actually like meet in person here. Or a lot of people who are uh, podcasters. There's a big podcast community here, and I got to meet like a lot of the people that I've been listening to for years. That's and, super cool. And get to get to know them, and um, that that was a, a, a big part of me coming here. And, and the first night that I was here, I hung out with Larry Nemechek, who does the Trek Files podcast. He does the um, Trekland Tuesday live streams on Facebook. He's in the the Ready Room podcast on Trek FM. And he is a, a an awesome fan who who's been part of the fandom for decades. He, uh, for those who don't know him, was the I believe editor of the Star Trek Communicator magazine. No, oh, wow. uh, what does this guy find time to sleep? <laughs> and um, he no, he's he, he's from Oklahoma, and he's a big OU fan. 
So yeah. you kind of have to like give them a pass on that. <laughs> um, just us being based out of out of Austin, Texas. And uh, Dave, you went to school at UT, didn't you? Yeah, but I have yeah, no, I, uh, I have uh, no loyalty uh, because I don't give a shit about football. I know, but I know, yeah. but like, don't don't say that part because it doesn't help what what I'm I'm trying to build up here. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> but, big time UT, <laughs> big time yeah. UT student. And I'm a I'm a, a t-shirt fan because I'm a, I'm a big uneducated dummy, but um, but yeah, so you have to look past the the OU side of Larry Nimitrek because he's a big uh, Boomer Sooner guy, but uh, he was so cool and friendly, and I I spent like all night Tuesday night until the, the, the wee hours of the morning, just talking and drinking and hanging out with him and getting to know him. And he, he remembered me uh, after I told him like some of the things we've corresponded with online. And so that was tons of fun. And then that's uh, awesome. That is, that's the Trek fandom. Like, like I like to hear about. Yes. But, um, and, and, and Tony, what about you? What was your, uh, what was your reason for coming here? Cause I, I, I forced it upon you. <laughs> um, I didn't come on with a lot of expectations. I really didn't because I didn't, the only thing I had to compare to was the cruise. So, but I knew this is not the cruise. Like this is a very different format. Yeah. You've so never been to a, uh, have you ever been to any type of convention? Never. No, not oh, like a fandom kind of convention at least. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really have anything. I didn't know what to expect at all. The, the main thing I really came here for was to get a picture with Michelle Nichols. Um, oh. I, I don't know what it is about her story and, like, some of the scenes that she's done that just really, like, I don't know. I really just wanted to meet her. Um, and well, I know, arguably, you know, she, she she does hold, like, an, an amazing place in TV history, civil yeah. rights history. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and both, like, uh, as a person of color and as a, and as a woman, I think she's... She's like one of the most amazing people in, in TV history and especially, uh, obviously, Trek history, too. So that's very cool. Yeah. Did you, by chance, get to do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only thing that we really, like, we didn't get any autographs or anything like that. Or We only got pictures with Nichelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something I was like, I, I'm not going unless I can get this. This is what... <laughs> That was the only photo op that we did. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, like, I'm not a big autograph guy. I, I love getting pictures with uh, some of these stars, but I don't want to spend, you know, a couple hours waiting in line for a picture when I could yeah. be uh, doing other with stuff. human beings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My brother uh, met Nichelle Nichols a few years ago, and it was like a, a really big experience uh, for him, and it really one of his great ones. Yeah. I got a story about that um, because he, he did that back in November of 2017, or was Sounds it 18? Potentially, right? I think it was 2018, yeah. And I was going to go because I wanted to see Nichelle Nichols, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because my sister was getting married. <laughs> so Lame. I, and then she, her health is, has kind of uh, unfortunately gotten worse uh, since right. then, and I was worried um, if, if – uh, not not just because I wanted to see her at, at a eventually at some point at a convention appearance or something, but you know worried about her uh, as a person. I was um, a little surprised to and, see her attending the convention. I saw a really amazing shot of somebody in a cosplay as Mirror Universe Uhura with her, yeah. and, and so I was very happy to see that she was able to attend at all. And she yeah. loved when fans came up with you know stuff that you like dressed up as Uhura or just. She was just really interactive, yeah. Um, at, given you know what she's kind of facing right now, yeah. She seemed very, um, very, very aware, very alert. 
Oh, that's, um, that's great. I, I, I'm, I'm super I, happy I, to thankful. hear that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to say, like, energetic, because, I mean, like, she's she she is quite elderly at this point. I think it's mm-hmm. it's fair to say, like, she, you know, she, she kind of has to, like, stay seated at all times. Sure. But, like, she was still, like, so expressive and loving and, and vibrant, just, like, yeah. in, in her face. That's yeah. great. Uh, let's see. Um, what was I going to ask here? Um, uh, so, um, uh, why don't you let's let's go ahead and pause for a second and talk about cosplay stuff that that you saw there. Uh, tell me about like either the coolest cosplay. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, what was the what was the coolest and weirdest cosplay stuff y'all saw? I think the two coolest cosplays, which I am blown away by how many people cosplayed, but also the extent of how far they would go, mm-hmm. because a lot of these costumes they're not available. Like you can't mass produce them. Oh them. right, they were, sure, sure. Like, a lot of them were handmade. Um, but one that we should definitely give a mention to was um, Jeff Stimson, who did Saru. And Ooh. when I say he did Saru, he did the uniform, the mask, and also the shoes. The, the, shoes, the hoof feet. The oh, feet shoes. <laughs> and he was walking around in them on the convention floor. And my feet were hurting just in regular <laughs> shoes. So I can't even imagine what he was probably doing. probably is he, having his feet amputated right now. Yeah. He, and he was so kind to people He, he was doing pictures. this every day. Yeah. No, most of the days, I think. Well, I, I don't think I saw him like Wednesday or Thursday. But I, like yeah. the last three days for sure, yeah. I saw him walking around. And Man. yeah, we actually have we actually have footage of him, which if you're watching this uh, on on YouTube or somewhere else where it's available in a video format, you might actually see that cycle through. Awesome. Yeah, and he actually got to go on stage during the panel with Dove Jones. I think Dove Jones was so impressed. He signed his hoof boot. Yeah, he was so impressed with him. They invited him on stage real quick. Um, Doug Jones said that was the first cosplayer he ever saw who uh, successfully replicated the Saru hooves. Yeah, so good job, Jeff. That was awesome. It was so cool to see that. Yeah, shout out to Jeff for sure. Um, the other one, I don't, I had never, I don't know if this is if he's around, but um, Pike, Captain Pike. Hmm. Um, there was a cosplayer. I think his name is Michael. I think. Um, mm-hmm. But he was in what would you call it? Like the cart. The uh, the the Captain Pike chair. Yeah. From... Oh, the the beep the beep beep chair. Yeah. Yeah, from the he, Menagerie parts he had one and two. A yeah, for a minute. By Vegas. the way, I thought you meant Anson Mount's Captain Pike since he's been so prominent oh. lately. But of course, the the original, I, most iconic yeah. Pike is the wheelchair bound Pike. Yeah, but, but he had to make this chair. Yeah, and be- before we we talk about that for a second, I just want to mention about An- the Anson Mount Pike, that mm-hmm. gold uniform that was reimagined for Star Trek Discovery season two that we see Pike in number one wearing. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most popular cosplays that we saw all week long a way to call back to the original series boldness but with a few visual tweaks on the collar and all that yeah yes but it's also something that's not even like widely available like there's no official cbs version of it so people were putting in a little bit of effort to Mm. to obtain these and for anyone who thinks that uh Discovery hasn't been embraced by the fandom. They need to see how many uh, Pike and number one gold <laughs> uniforms we have seen. That's that's super super cool. And also yeah. like the disco blues, there are ton- tons of people in the disco blues. So let me ask about uh, on, on uh, the uh, Pike that you saw, Antonia. Did they do the facial scarring? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, like he even he even like positioned his face 
in a very similar way to the actual. Yeah, that sort of flat, yeah. sort of expressionless, sort of anguished look. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I have footage of that, so that should yeah. be cycling through here. Yeah, those Father are probably e, um, my favorite, but there were so many. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, Father E, uh, hit me with a, with a couple there. Uh, there was a gl- green lantern Klingon. Never seen that before. <laughs> Is that from the, the Star Trek Klingon, or Star Trek Green Lantern crossover in the comics? Or just inspired uh, no, by that kind of no, idea? No, I think it, I think it was like an original creation, but uh, yeah, inspired of that kind of like universal crossover thing. I also saw a Jedi Vulcan, and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, come on, do we have to bring Jedi stuff to STLV? Did you like take that shit out of here? Yeah, go go to go to Disneyland with that fool. But um, yeah, so that was a good one. Um, there, I didn't didn't actually see these, but you were showing me pictures of this. Yeah, I was posting uh, but, on Facebook some of the ones that I'd seen and, and posted in, uh, you know, message groups and stuff. Yeah, the the uh, Star Trek IV um, Humpback Well, complete with a little <laughs> Spock toy uh, mind-melding mind on, on yeah. the side of their head. Oh. Um, but I, I think the one that I got the biggest kick out of, and actually two people did this, but they cosplayed as Ira Steven Bear, the Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. writer, yeah. who has kind of a unique look to him. Um, specifically that in recent years, he's been rocking a blue goatee. Uh-huh. Um, he's just, he just decided one day to dye his, his they, beard blue because he's kind of came, a, a weird guy like that. They came as a DS9 writer. Let me just make sure I understood that right. <laughs> yeah, as, 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 well, the most famous DS9 writer, right, Ira right. Steven Bear. Right. Who, who ran the, ran the though, show because of that documentary? Right, who just completed that documentary? Mm-hmm. What we left behind, which is spectacular, and I got my backers copy in right before we left, oh. and I haven't been haven't had the opportunity to watch any of the bonus features on there. So hopefully, I can do that soon. Um, uh, you know, uh, one other one I'm going to mention because I did just this is another picture I saw. Uh, somebody I believe at Star Trek Las Vegas dressed as the Mego Spock action figure. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw that. <laughs> yeah, but he had the like I think we did sort of vivid blue uh, like shirt that had, that's a little bit kind of bulky because it was made to look the way it looks on the action figure. And even I saw they, in another one of the pictures they had had the giant snap on the back, you know, as as if it were enlarged, <laughs> you know. So the button is like is like big as your thumb. It's you know insane looking. <laughs> uh, and of course he had a Mego figure with him to for comparison. Dave, I just got a good idea for what I can do as cosplay. Yeah. Okay, I can I can be Fat Ron Moore. <laughs> I don't know what Ron Moore looks like. So he has he has a beard and long hair. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's 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 as good an idea as any. Sure, you can do that, and then you don't even have to dress up at all. You can just tell people that's your thing. I just put on <laughs> put on a Jimi Hendrix t shirt, and I'm good to go. <laughs> um. Uh, you know, uh, you said fat, and it reminded me of Harry Mud, and that made me wonder: did, Were there any Harry Muds from Disco? Uh, I didn't see any Disco, but I did see Tos. He was in the version who had like the pimp hat, kind of yep. like space sombrero or yep. whatever, whatever Mud, that was. Mud yeah. Women's and he was style, hanging out or at... was that in the animated thing? No, that was that was in um, Muds Women yeah, in yeah. season one. Yeah, he was at Quark's bar, so. <laughs> yeah, some, which is where Harry Mudd probably belongs. Um, let's see. Uh, so let's let's jump into like some of the. Uh, well, actually, you know, I want to just quick ask one thing about the sales floors. A, did y'all buy anything? And, and sort of a little B question for someone who's going, if they were on a budget, 
can you make it through this without like spending a ton of money? Maybe y'all did. I don't know. Um, no, we didn't. We didn't spend a ton of money. We I, I picked up a couple of T-shirts because I wear Star Trek T-shirts when we're making videos. Um, so that's kind of something like I'm. I always keep an eye out for. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bought some artwork. Um, Kavita Maharaj, I remember her name. Uh, she did a series um, of Spock, like a, a six pieces just mm-hmm. of Spock in different poses. Um, and I went to her panel and I loved her artwork. Um, and I had to go show Steven because I wanted someone not to think I was insane for spending yeah. money on artwork. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, but he liked it too. So um, we picked one out. Oh, cool. Um, so I'll be able to see that next time I visit. Yeah, um, they're they're, they're going to mail it to me, so yeah, it I, might not be there yet. I wish Dave could see it because he's the one who knows about art stuff. Um, but this is just my type of explanations. I would say like it, it's a, a, a super realistic style of painting, but it also incorporates some abstract elements. Hmm. Like it'll have like a realistic face, mm-hmm. but then there's like there might be like some weird distortions on the body or in the background or something. Mm-hmm. And it's um, I uh, she. Uses a technique to make it look watercolorish. Okay. Like what? It's like la- like transparency. So it's yeah. playing with trans transparent layers, um, and kind of a little bit of some of her pieces had a little bit of splashiness to it. I don't know the right word for that. Um, okay. But yeah, she had gotten a, a following um, through Instagram, and she said that she originally only did um, she was only going to do one piece. And she was having having a hard time deciding which Spock she was going to paint because you know there's copyright and stuff like that. You don't want to get in trouble, so mm-hmm. she's does she didn't plan on doing a whole series because she didn't think it would go anywhere. But she got had such a hard time picking one, she just started painting, yeah. and she actually started posting anonymously um, on Instagram just so she you know, wouldn't get in trouble or, yeah. you know, there wouldn't be any issues or anything. There's like always that. a little people... bit of gray area. And this happens at comic conventions too, with like exactly. big licensed characters like Marvel and DC and the companies often it's kind of falls into a gray area where they don't, they don't worry about it too much unless you're actually publishing like a ongoing series or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think in this case too, though, she also had to get approval from the Roddenberry family from the uh, Nimoy family. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, people, people responded so well that, um, she ended up kind of getting approached and kind of got names of people to talk to and everybody seemed to really like it. So they got to pick some of the paintings from her series to, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of make official and she's working on a second series, um, that's going to include people that aren't just Spock. So, um, yeah, I really, so we, that was kind of a splurge for me. I wouldn't, wasn't really mm-hmm. planning on it, but, um, I love artwork and i love meeting artists um so i was definitely inspired to splurge a little uh, i really like that i um yeah. you know um one of the cool things about sort of uh all, all sort of fandoms and but especially in the geeky community is when it inspires some kind of creative enterprise among people and uh you know i guess that could range from a uh podcast or something like that to yeah. artwork to cosplaying uh, and all that and obviously trek is a big inspiration for many um so yeah, yeah no that's really cool um, but I, but I yeah. think you 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 could come here and not spend too much money in the vendors' room if you didn't want to. I I kind of went in there more to just like look at stuff. I didn't really purchase anything other mm-hmm. other than shirts, which I'm always looking for because sometimes it's hard to find a three XL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what about um, 
panels and stuff like that. Let's 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 talk about some of the big stuff. Let's hit some announcements, uh, any some notable things you had, and then I'll I'll maybe ask y'all about some of the sort of surprises that you had, something cool that you might have seen that was unexpected. But uh, do you want to like maybe tell, tell tell me a little bit about some of the panels? Sure, and and just for people who have not been here, there is uh, three different stages that the the panels. Uh, typically take place at there, there's some other rooms where stuff might be going on but normally they're they're going to be on one of the, the three stages they have the nimoy theater which is the huge stage that's where all the big stuff happens they have the kelly theater named after deforest kelly um where uh it's, it's also a pretty large stage and then they have what I think is a newer edition, but it's like a, it's a small little stage, like kind of off on the corner, mm-hmm. where they have the CBS All Access stage. Up, or is it just CBS? No, I think it's CBS All Access. CBS All, it's, All yeah. Access. So it's sponsored by CBS All Access, the streaming service that distributes Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard and Short Treks here in the United States. Um, so uh, with with your actual Star Trek actors they're going to be on the Nimoy stage because they're the you know they're the big superstars um some of them would appear individually some of them would be kind of grouped together um other panels would either be at the Kelly Theater or the CBS All Access stage and uh some of those things were hosted by um just uh fan driven stuff like the the Women at Warp podcast who we mention a lot on here um, because me and Dave are both big listeners, uh, totally. they were here. I got, I got the chance to talk to them. I know that um, they sometimes they, will actually do the like moderation and stuff at uh, at, at conventions. Did any of that happen? Um, well, well, they had like their own panel discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were actually scoring uh, different um, outfits, c- costumes worn by char- character women characters in the various shows oh, and like ranking them. Yeah, they did a few others like Warrior Women. I think was it Grace. Um, yeah, that was, that was great. Oh, that's another weird thing is cause I saw like Jera and Grace and Sue mm-hmm. and I, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen Sue or Grace before. And so they kind of didn't look like how I pictured them because when, you know, when you listen to someone's voice for years and you kind of get like a sense of their personality, y- your brain will automatically kind of picture what they look like. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But th- they were all, they're all nice and. Um, really cool, and uh, I went by their booth in the in the vendors room. So that's another thing in the vendors room is sometimes they'll have, um, you know, people like uh, the Women at Warp or other podcasters. the The Roddenberry Podcast Network they have like a, a huge booth where um, all of them can can hang out and interact with people. Um, uh, you were asking about panels, though. There were also panels on uh, some of the. Um, licensing stuff, uh, some of the, the tie-in material, the, mm-hmm. the Star Trek novels had a panel, the IDW had a couple of stuff, we checked out a little bit of that, they had some of the creative talent from IDW, who, uh, who work on the Star Trek comics there, yep. um, also, also, they were, uh, sh- showing off those, those new triples coming out, mm. that we actually have an interview with Science Division, and their new officially licensed triples, that will be coming out soon. That everyone should check out this video when we publish it on YouTube. And these, so, um, and these, you, you told me a little bit about this off mic earlier, but this is you, these are triples that are like you know essentially like a little plush toy triple, but with like cool uh, you know like it'll purr and it'll vibrate and you can sync it up to your phone and stuff like that. Yeah, a so, bunch so of like Bluetooth like interaction. Mood. Yes, 
You can put it on Klingon detection mode and uh, all kinds of cool stuff. But Wait, we'll, which we'll means it's going to, like, shriek occasionally? Yeah. <laughs> or if you move it, if, like, if you move it, it'll, like, shrill at, yeah, shrill at you yeah. and scream, and it's really funny. <laughs> how how have these not come out think... until now? That's uh, I'm, I'm really glad that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some triple toys available now, but none as um, interactive as interactive as this, and also uh, none that are as soft. These are the softest triples yeah. I've ever touched. I did buy a triple. Um, Yay! I did buy one, and but, but but the one that they were Science Division was showing was a lot softer. Yeah, a little cuddlier. <laughs> so, Father, at the uh, at the panels, uh, like who who were the biggest guests, and why, why don't we like. If if there's any sort of notable things that they they talk about, let's let's go in here. What the, what they said? Sure. I mean, I'll just start with like TOS. We had uh, Walter Koenig, William Shatner, both did their own panels. Um, they're both really cool. Um, you know, Shatner is all the way I say it is like Shatner is going to Shatner. Um, <laughs> he's going to bring like his own kind of brand of. Pompous. Of, uh, yeah, he's, he can be pompous, but he's also funny. He's entertaining. And he's a pretty good wreck on He's entertaining, yeah. He's entertaining, but I would not ask him a question. Well, yeah, because you don't know how he's going to respond, and he yeah. might he might roast your ass. Yeah. And also, he might go on a 20-minute tangent talking about <laughs> everything but the question you asked. Yeah. Right. But, that, I mean, I've only like, seen him that one time uh, that you and I were at a convention, Father. Yeah. And that's, ex- that's a perfect description of how things went. He... He would go off on tangents, and it was kind of like eh, you're there for the you're kind of there for the Shatner show when he's talking. So you got to yeah. kind of you know it's going to be a, a Shat show. <laughs> yeah, and and shout out to, to Koenig. He was really cool. I liked uh, like checking out his panel. I, I um, liked his panel, but um, he did talk. I think I don't know why I want to talk about this, but he did hit on you know he's how old is he now? He's, what did you say? Oh, um, I don't know. He was like something. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, I mean, he was running around on stage and stuff. So, I mean, he's still active, um, Mm -hmm. but he expressed feeling kind of like the world is passing him by. Hmm. Um, He he says he does feel like a little less relevant, not when he comes to Star Trek Las Vegas, but like other conventions that he does um, that people do seem to be like. Oh, they're more interested in like these anime voiceover actors mm. than a Star Trek actor. So. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I guess to some degree, you know, Trek was like as one of the the original nerd fandoms. It might feel a little weird to see just how many fandoms are now sharing the stage with. You know, there's Game of yeah. Thrones out there. There's a million superhero movies that were absolutely never a thing until the last few decades. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I, I mean, I, I can. I would hope overall very... that we can all play nice together, but I can understand yeah. how if you kind of grew up a little bit, one of the few bit bright lights of, of kind of fandom, it feel you, you might feel a little pushed off to the side. Well, I don't think he was complaining in any way. I think it was just him being vulnerable in that hmm. moment. Um, you know, I think one person asked a question and was just like, how are you? Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I really appreciate honesty. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a nice candor. Pretty. Yeah, because he was even like, "This is kind of weird because I haven't talked about this to anyone else before, but I'm yeah. just kind of expressing this for the first time." To my but, Trek family. <laughs> um, but yeah, then with the Next Generation, there was uh, I think everyone but Wesley and Picard. Oh, Denise Crosby wasn't here because she was working, so yeah. good for her. Um, but we saw uh, Michael Dorn and Lavar Burton do a panel together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I love that panel um, because they're. They have a good dynamic together. Huh. Um, 
and LeVar Burton's so thoughtful, but I think, I think uh, you would agree that um, that moment when the Q&A opened up and there was a, um, a fan that was blind. Well, 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 before that, when LeVar Burton, he, he actually brought his visor from, yeah. from the next generation, the original prop. Yeah, and he put it on. Um, you said it it, cool a, a fan that was that was blind. Well, Lavar Burton had brought his actual prop visor from the Next Generation, and uh, the coolest thing that I saw at this entire convention happened shortly after that, mm-hmm. when a, a fan who do you want to tell it? No, a, a fan who was a blind engineer in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow. Went up to the microphone to ask Lavar a question, and he said he, you know, he wanted to let Lavar know how much the character Jordy meant to him, and how he thought that visor that would allow uh, a blind man to see was just the the coolest thing ever, and that how he uh, was so glad that like he brought it to to show everyone. You know the the irony being that this is the one guy in the house who can't yeah. see it. Yeah. Who you know would be the the most meaningful to. So Lavar Burton grabbed his visor and walked off the stage and walked up to the guy oh, and man. brought it to him so that he could feel it with his hands. I love it. And and, and touch touch the actual Jordy yeah. visor from the Next Generation and and see it in his own way. That's so cool. And that, I, I like I started crying when that happened. That was that was the coolest. I don't, I don't know if you were going to ask me that, but that was by far the coolest thing that happened at this entire convention. You know, uh, something that I kind of I became a little bit aware of, and I maybe mentioned this before, listening to the Women at Warp podcast, because they'll sometimes approach things that honestly, as a I guess straight white dude, just were, were not sort of on my radar. Like I never sure. like cared much for Loxana Troy and older sort of. Cougars on the uh, on the original or on Next Generation and stuff like that. Uh, until I did see, uh, there are some great episodes with her, uh, certainly. Um, but I but, told you that before the woman at Warp did. Yeah. Well, all right, but they, they you didn't give me the uh, the the explanation that made me feel their emulate that you know what her meaning was. And I don't half a life. Watch the episode Half a Life. She's she's a random example, but they they've talked about characters, other characters that I didn't like, like. Uh, Barkley and and other ones, and they'll kind of like you know they'll examine him from like a mental health perspective, uh, so as somebody who like represents somebody who's like has anxiety and maybe is on the spectrum, and 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 I I think about these characters in ways I didn't before, and I hear them sometimes people talk about, and it's it's not just them, it's anybody uh, who will talk about how these characters were meaningful to them, and that you know uh, yeah it's really it's a beautiful thing. There was. Somebody at the store the other day who talked was talking about his appreciation for Chakotay on Voyager, uh, for his spiritualism, which you know, like hmm. I think as a kid I kind of thought was a little goofy. He was, I know it was like they, it was kind of a fusion of a lot of Native American stuff, and that they didn't necessarily go go into it with maybe the deepest reverence for it beyond sort of an idea of him being Native American spiritual, but it allowed them to express spirituality in a way that few major characters did on Star Trek. So. Anyway, uh, th- my, my only point being that there's a lot of things that I didn't necessarily think of uh, over the years as I was watching, and I like hear- seeing these different perspectives, and especially, like, uh, the, the story you just told was, was is really an amazing one. That's that's fantastic. That's It reminds me of the time that Will Wheaton uh, that talked about the, the girl that he had helped, uh, like, through these struggles. It's uh, I, I'm going to bungle the story if I tried to retell it, 
but it's another one of those kind of tear-inducing stories, but it's also a very happy story. Um, and I love that Star Trek can do that. Yeah, for sure. And I'll try. I'll try to run through quickly who the rest of the the actors yeah, hit uh, it. who who were doing panels were. Um, sorry if I if I forget anyone. Um, but also from TNG, there is Brent Spiner, um, and uh, I'll I'll get to uh, I'll get to I'll get to Gates McFadden and Jonathan Frakes in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, let me talk about like DS Nine for a little bit. We saw uh, a, a bunch of DS Nine people. Terry Farrell was here. Um, Nicole, Nicole DeBoer was here. So both Dax actresses, mm-hmm. um, of course, uh, I already mentioned Michael Dorn. Um, but, uh, all the, all the Ferengi, all three, uh, b- big Ferengi characters, Quark, Rom, and Nog. We had Armin Shimmerman and, uh, Aaron Eisenberg and Max, uh, Golden, I can never say his last name. Um, they were with, uh, with. Lita actress, uh, Chase Masterson, mm-hmm. who I had the hugest crush on as a kid. And, um, Dr. Bashir actor, Alexander Sadig did a panel with all of the, the Star Trek doctors, minus of course, uh, the late great DeForest Kelly. Mm-hmm. So, it- And we should also add that like that panel was not, not that panel was going to be, um, all of the doctors on the, older series so the series that weren't Discovery so but at the middle of it Wilson Cruz ran out on stage yes um, and we had heard some rumors that he was going to join yeah he wasn't supposed to be here he couldn't do Star Trek Las Vegas because his brother was getting married in France Um, and he actually had a flight to Europe that was delayed and he wasn't going to be able to make it to the wedding so he immediately the story he told was that he immediately booked a flight to Vegas to come visit his other family. <laughs> and it was really cool when he like crashed the party and like yeah. walked out on the stage and joined the other Star Trek actors. Cause I was actually thinking like Wilson Cruz should be here. Yeah, also. absolutely. And the, they, the actors were doing a lot of that. They would, they would crash each other's panels. Um, <laughs> there's, and there's dramatic there's, events going on at these conventions. Surprise yeah. twists. <laughs> with with Voyager, we saw Kate Mulgrew mm-hmm. and um, Robert, Robert Picardo as part of that Doctor's panel. We also had Roxanne Dawson and Tim Russ and uh, Garrett Wong. Any Chakotay? Uh, no, Robert Robert Beltran wasn't here. Damn it! Um, but but uh, we we also had Jerry Ryan, a Seven of Nine, as part of the Star Trek Picard uh, panel, along with. Uh, uh, Hugh, the Borg Hugh actor, Jonathan Del Arco, and Jonathan Frakes, who has been directing mm-hmm. Picard episodes. All of those people and then we uh, have some... experiencing a moment right now as as the Picard uh, enthusiasm reaches fever pitches. Yeah, and um, last show, um, or, well, no, I got two more shows. Okay, Enterprise. We had like Connor Trenier, uh Trip Tucker, um, Dominic Keating played Malcolm Reed, mm-hmm. and the Doctor. Um, and yeah, John Billingsley. Um, and then with, um, oh yeah, well I said like ton of DS9 people. I I didn't go into, but all of them. Sorry, I was excited about him. (laughs) But yeah, Andy, Andy Robinson or yeah, Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, Garrick actor, Andy Robinson was here. Casey Biggs, who plays the Cardassian Damar, uh, and Jeffrey Combs, who played Wayoon. Oh, Vaughn Armstrong, who played Admiral Forrest on Enterprise. And then with Discovery, we had um, 
Sonequa Martin-Green, Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, Mary Chifo, Shazad Latif. Um, help me out. Did you say the Admiral? Uh, yeah, Jane Brooke, who played uh, Admiral Kat- mm-hmm. Katrina Cornwell. Uh, and awesome. then uh, all, all all of the, uh, the supporting characters as well. Jason Isaacs. And yes, Jason Isaacs and Anson Mount. So both captains, good yeah. and evil. Who uh, they they were Anson Mount was doing a panel and then uh, Jason Isaacs joined in on his panel and they have such good chemistry and they were so funny and so entertaining and it was actually their first time meeting in person. Oh man! But they were so fun because Anson Mount is Pike in real life. He is such a Boy Scout. I've I've following him on Facebook now and and that's the vibe I get. Like he'll get in disagreements with people and it sounds like. It sounds like Pike getting in disagreements. He's very sort of respectful yeah. in his way, but yes. not not above kind of being kind of charismatically forceful too. Yes, yeah. But Jason Isaacs on the other side of that coin, he is is very mischievous <laughs> and is a bit of a smartass and witty. And witty, and he is Lorca in real life, oh, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't know about um, that, but. but I remember when he uh, experienced, I think, uh, I don't know if there was a little bit of pushback towards the supposed SJWs or something like that uh, on the show. But I remember him uh, using some very blunt talk on his Twitter, I think. Uh, I believe the F-bomb might have been used. And I was like, ah, Jason Isaac, you seem like an awesome dude. Oh, we, he, yeah. he used a, a few F-bombs here. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um there's also, uh, during one of the Discovery panels, they had um, Kenneth Mitchell, who played three different Klingons mm-hmm. in the show, uh, including the characters Cole and Cole Shaw, mm-hmm. uh, two really nasty Klingon villains. And he started uh, talking in character as, like, oh, uh, one of them. Oh, that's cool. I love and, it. Um, then the, but, then, but then he started talking about, uh, wait till you see Prime Lorca. And so people were excited, like, is he, like, teasing? Are they trying to announce, like, we're going to see Prime Lorca in the show uh-huh. or something? But then he did, like, this ridiculous, like, Jason Isaacs voice. Like, he sounded like a, like a dumb little kid in an English accent. Like, like, oh, hi, I'm Prime Lorca. I'm so happy to be here. I have pretty little blue eyes. That's why I always wear blue shirts. Because he, Jason Isaacs actually always wears Doesn't blue he? shirts. And, and so Jason Isaacs comes up on stage and he's like, no, wait a fucking minute! What's going on here? <laughs> and, and, uh, and he joined in yeah. on the fun. And he was wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, so, so kind of kind uh, of that's, kind of that's, that's, point. Uh, some nice report there. I feel bad because I, yeah. I, I I feel bad because I haven't learned these actors' names, and they all seemed really cool. Um, I think Patrick Kwan and Robert Rowley and Emily Coots and Sarah Midich. Uh, I can remember almost all of them. Shit, I can't leave one out. Uh, the actress who plays Owasakin, um can uh, see if you can look that up in there. Was that today? Yeah, but uh, the the Discovery like supporting actors, oh. and they all seem like super thankful to like you know be in the show and be part of the family. There were so many people like lined up to like meet these people and get autographs with them. That like there there is a huge. Uh, support um, for discovery at I'm, I'm, I'm really Las excited Vegas. to hear that and also that that these people kind of feel like they've been embraced as the family you know we, we saw there they they started getting some real time in discovery season two and and you know i'm only oh, i will only be too happy to see that continue to grow okay uh, yeah we we looked up her name um antonia how, how do you say that oh i oh 
Owen Oladio. Okay, um, we'll go with that. But she, but she plays the character Joanna yeah. Wasikin. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be the guy who remembered everyone's name except for the one black lady. <laughs> but and but yeah, and like and of course like Sonequa Martin Green had like a panel by herself, which is really cool. Uh, we had a good time watching that. Um, but but yeah, there there was a, a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun seeing this many Star Trek actors. Several of them I had never seen Were before. They, um, we'll so, go ahead, thought. No, I was just gonna say like. I mentioned this uh, earlier, but I hadn't seen any of these Discovery people until this week. And now I've seen all of them except for uh, Michelle Yeoh and Tignataro. Yeah. Pretty much everyone oh, else was It would have been awesome yeah. to see them Michelle there, Yeoh but but that is it, – it's, it's great. To, like, honestly, I'm, I'm glad in some ways because then some of the actors who are in supporting roles probably got to be a little bit more prominent without having quite so many superstars. Oh, there was yeah. a lot. Yeah, it was cool getting to hear um, uh, Patrick um, – I, I said his name. I, I said Patrick Kwan. looks like it's Patrick – Quatron, uh, I'm sorry, if I'm getting this yeah, wrong. We're trying. Uh, but he's a uh, Asian Canadian guy, and Garrett Wong talked about during his panel mm. how much it meant to him growing up seeing George Takei mm. on the Enterprise in the original series because you didn't see many Asian characters unless they had like some like goofy accent right, or something like, comic like that. Relief really sinister. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, then he had a conversation with uh patrick kwok chon from discovery who said hey when i was in college i watched a lot of voyager and it was so cool seeing you on that ship because there weren't many asians on tv in the 90s yeah that's, that's and again so, a perspective uh, Garrett that Wong was excited. i would not have had watching voyager but I'm, yeah. I'm excited to hear about yeah. yeah, so so Wong was all like, "Oh, I'm I get to be yeah, George Takei yeah. to somebody," and then he started he started talking in a George Takei voice because he does really good accents of all oh, the other uh, Star Trek actors yeah. ever. He can, he can do like impressions of all of them. So um, he also mentioned that he was returning to acting. Um, yes, he had left. He, he took a hiatus. He, he took a hiatus since what 2005, I think he said. Yeah, because there just wasn't a lot of roles for him as an as an Asian <laughs> man. Um, and he felt really limited, so he kind of just took a hiatus. But now, you know, he's seeing a resurgence. Um, it's not quite where it needs to right, be. Right, but I, I assume movies like actually... Crazy Rich Asians or The Farewell that's coming exactly. up. He, he cited that as an example. He said he saw that movie, and he's like, oh, hey, they're going to hire more of us I now, mean, I don't apparently. I think he's wrong, so. but it, it, yeah, that movie made a, made a mint. Yeah. So, so let me ask yeah. you, on these panels, were the actors, like, were they primarily anecdotes about the show and their lives, you know, were they like talking about upcoming stuff? Was it, you know, memories of, of the show or their own lives? All, All of the above. above. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if any of that stuff sounds interesting to you, then you would enjoy uh, these panels. It, it actually all sounds, sounds really cool. Um, Dave, I don't know what else you have on the the docket, but I think we at some point we got to talk about these shows about um, Picard and mm-hmm. Discovery and um, Lower Decks. Yeah, I didn't and, know were those uh, announced a, a potential were Pike the show. announcements for those. Did those come out through the panels, or did they have special presentations? Well, we we didn't really have any big announcements. We did get like a little. They they dropped a, little, a few little tidbits during the Picard panel that uh, Frakes and Jerry Ryan. And Hugh, Jonathan yep. Del Arco did, and uh, of course the the lower decks panel was was held by uh, showrunner Mike McMahon and his writing staff, and then the 
Um, the other thing I, that I feel is is worth bringing up was with um, a potential Pike show, which we all have our fingers crossed for at this point. Um, that that got talked about a little bit during like the Anson Mount panel, and also uh, James Frain, who plays Sarek on Discovery, and Ethan Peck, who of course plays. Well, Ethan Peck's photo ops is sold out. Oh, like, wow. They 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 had to turn people. They were like, no more. Like he yeah. can't do it, 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 or he can't do any more photos or any well, more. Clearly, autographs. that guy's not going to yeah. be allowed like, to go and do so other busy. TV shows and things. Now <laughs> there's uh, he he's now <laughs> stuck in the Star Trek community where he will be worshipped as long as he sticks around. <laughs> so so last year they had that famous moment where Patrick Stewart made a surprise entrance to the stage and announced that John Luke Picard mm-hmm. is back. I was really hoping for something like that to happen mm-hmm. this year. It didn't, um, which which is fine. I still had a great time, but I was determined that Anson Mount was going to announce the, the Pike <laughs> show after that tease. That tease that Alex Kurtzman gave the audience at San Diego Comic Con. We said, "Hmm, do you want a Pike I, show?" I didn't think they'd be ready. And everyone to that fast. Yeah. It, well, well, but but I mean, like, if he's teasing that, like, it has to be in the works. If he's like kind of like poking at the audience, like, "Oh yeah, you want this, don't you?" Um, and I thought maybe they had saved something for this. Um, but Anson Mount did say, okay, everyone, I have an announcement for you. There's coffee oh, in the back of the room. Bastard. <laughs> but I, I thought, I thought there was about to be like an explosion of applause. Like I had like my camera writing. It's like, I'm going to get footage of this. And that's all it was. I wasn't convinced, but, but I could tell you were really kind of bummed <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I still had, I still had a lot of fun. And he, and he said, you know, his words is like, yeah, of course, like I want to do it. You know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for, um, the Picard show, uh, we got a, one, like, nugget of info that I don't think we've had before. It's something that Jerry Ryan said about being seven of nine. She talked about how she appears so different, and one might even say out of character compared to the seven of nine we know from Voyager, but you have to keep in mind that this is decades later, and the character has obviously, you know, evolved. And it's nice to see her and like not it, it, at the time I thought it was sexy as hell, but it, it, it was. But the ridiculous yeah, cat yeah. suit with yeah. like high heels right. built it into like it. Now she's yeah. going to get um, to wear which, sort of normal, normal yeah, clothes, Federation, you know, Federation wear. But she addressed why Seven of Nine might uh, seem yep. a little different after all this time. Yeah, she said she she was having a hard time kind of shifting. Um, the character um, after all the years and then now, you know, the show something, her character is a little different than when it was before after all this time. And so she needed to kind of create a backstory in order to like, I think someone helped Mm -hmm. her with this, but she had to get a backstory um, in her mind to be able to pull it off. So what she convinced herself was, how do I say, she was forced to change. She was maybe there was some kind of bigotry or something like that that she was maybe facing after the Borg incident oh. and being so visibly right. different that she had to sound and act a little less Borg like. Right. Yeah. She she brought up a good point like, that, uh, like that even on right? the well, well, to me, I interpreted it as like uh, even on like the the egalitarian future Earth of Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, in in a, a time and place where people have like lost loved ones to the battle of, of wolf three, five, nine and stuff like that. Um, and have kind of lived in fear of the Borg. 
Uh, it might be a little unsettling to other people to like see a Borg walking around on Earth. And because she would look Borgish with her, her mm-hmm. implants that are still visible on her face, she would needed to assimilate, quote unquote, assimilate into, <laughs> yeah, into yeah. Earth culture and into human culture and become more human to fit in. Uh, no, that, that sounds like a, a cool backstory. Um, if I'm not mistaken, agreed. There, there will be some backstory revealed more on Picard uh, in the comic world, right? Yeah. And so uh, continuing about uh, Star Trek Picard, we also know that there will be a three-issue miniseries called Star Trek Picard Countdown, issue one coming out in November. Um, and that will uh, be a, a prelude. I don't want to call it a prequel because a prequel – it kind of has a negative connotation. Uh, thanks a lot, Star Wars. Um, but uh, a prelude to Star Trek Picard that is uh, written by Mike Johnson. And it will be about one specific event that takes place between Nemesis and Picard that John Luke Picard does. Uh, if through. I'm not mistaken, I think he was co-writing it with someone I saw. Some some lady whose name I didn't know. K- K- oh, right. Kirsten Beyer, who is, is is involved with all the Discovery tie-in right. comics and uh, all the all the Discovery tie-in novels. Yeah, she is, she is the staff writer on Discovery who who helps kind of um, li- liaison between the the show writers and the tie-in right. material writers. So um, and and so uh, yeah, there's like what like not maybe not quite twenty years between Nemesis and Picard. Um, it is if, they, if they're tracking exactly. it 17 years right now, it'll be a little bit more by the time they get the actual show out. It, it, it's, it's exactly 20 years okay. between. I heard, I, I heard and, 20 and dropped when, and I when, wasn't sure if that would fit, uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they've confirmed, they confirmed the date of Picard is, uh, 2399, which is 20 years after Nemesis in 2370. Do we have a, a release date for Picard and, yet? No, no. Early 2020. I'm guessing okay. February. I can I can hold out till February. Um, <laughs> but um, so so that's something that that's they're, something I'll definitely be looking forward to. It's interesting that the countdown has kind of become the branding since the uh, Kelvinverse movies <laughs> for their preludes. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always countdown something. Back in 2009. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm thinking it'll be February because okay, three issues. So that's November, December, January, then February. Yeah. Would be, I think, when the show would come out. February is also going to have a release of a Picard tie-in novel written by uh, Una McCormick. Uh, that's that's always good to hear. You know, we uh, we like the one of the two uh, only so far. I don't know if there's more Discovery novels uh, that we read. The one from um, the who's that guy, David Mack. David Mack. Regulars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think they've done four yeah. so far, and and, and that was I, but, I remember like um, among other things that was one where you and I found there was like a a richer depiction of Saru uh, in particular than 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 the, maybe even the first season gave us to work with. So uh, and and it kind of informed how I thought about him in second season too. Uh, so so yeah, I always like to to see the depth that the novels can dive into a little bit, getting a little more internal for the characters. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be focusing on some of these new characters that we're getting in Star Trek Picard that we still don't yeah, know much I'm about. I'm going to call but... them his smuggler people, but I have no idea if they're smugglers. <laughs> they li- they, they're a little more rough uh, but, uh, than, than Starfleet people are. Dave, do you, do you want to um, talk about Lower Yeah, ducks? yeah, you said I'm going to like it. I don't believe you. 
<laughs> well, as as we've discussed before, Dave hates the concept. I don't of like comedy. humor. I don't like cartoons <laughs> for babies. <laughs> but I'm gonna give but, it a uh, chance. I, I I'm I'm pretty like excited. I yeah, you like the Orville. Mm. I said but, it. Uh, this this show looks the Orville very doesn't better. Have humor. <laughs> That's why I love it. I think this show is going to be better than Orville, in my opinion. I'm almost there for more for the drama stuff than the gags on the Orville. Um, But uh, what were we saying, Fathery? Well, one of the the questions that was brought up during the Lower Decks panel, someone asked, how will your show compare to uh, the Orville, which is kind of similar to Star Trek, but is, is geared toward more humor. Um, yeah, and I was—I really liked Mike McMahon's answer when—and he wasn't trying to bash McFarlane. He said, "You know, that's that's awesome that Seth MacFarlane is doing like this very uh, Seth MacFarlane show that feels like it, it it just fell out of a portal to a parallel universe and was made in the '90s, and it's just—it's so cool. We have like this old vintage '90s uh, funny type of Star Trek tribute show." Which to me is kind of like putting it down, but he he was trying to not yeah. insult it. But then he said, my comedic voice is very different than Seth's, and that show is so Seth, and what I'm doing is is not anything like that. And, and you know, to me, the, the heart of Star Trek is about, like, the characters, and I was always there for the B stories. He, and he talked about, like, sure, like, they're going to do an episode where Riker gets cap- captured by aliens who thinks he's a demon, and they put him in an orb, and while that's going on, something like Data and Jordy are learning how to make a movie. Or, you know, something like that. And he loves, like, those type of B-story type things. And he just wants to make a show that's mm-hmm. like that, um, that, that's focused on that stuff, on that side of of, of, of uh, Star Trek. I typically don't get into animated shows, as as you know, as Steven knows. Yeah, she hates well, anything animated. Babies, no, so I anything, understand. But I... Except for Last Airbender, which is amazing, just... plus a whole bunch of other great cartoons. But I understand your reticence. But, yeah, a lot of it doesn't appeal to me or it takes a, it takes a, a lot. It takes a lot to kind of turn mm-hmm. me around on that. But I was intrigued only, I was intrigued by it only because, um, you're gesturing. Steven makes it distract. It's very distracting. Um, <laughs> I just want you to talk louder, project on the mic. <laughs> um, I like the idea of a show kind of showing characters, it, particularly in the Star Trek universe that aren't perfect and are still kind of stumbling and finding their way and maybe not always succeeding in what they're right. trying to do. Um, I, I don't know why I, that really appeals to me because I, I don't think we've seen that as much as, sure. I don't, yeah, I think that's something that you just don't see nearly as much, you know, things characters always, are um, flawed sometimes, work, you know, even if plan a uh, Star Trek characters are flawed huh? sometimes, but they tend not to be very yeah. flawed. Um, and, and I think we're going to maybe yeah, see yeah, like a little plan... bit more of that in this, a little bit more, maybe recognizably us, the audience in them. And, and he talked about how the, to him, like a big part of Star Trek was it, which everyone says, I've heard it a, a hundred times, but, um, it's a, it's a story about mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. and humanity. And he wants to focus on, on the humanity within yeah. Star Trek. He said his favorite episode of Star Trek is the episode Lower Decks from the Next Generation, <laughs> which gave us a look at some of the the less important people on the Enterprise. And he yeah. says this is the less important people on a less important and ship. It, the, it's also the key per- in that episode that one of them doesn't make it out of it. 
uh, one of them gets uh, lost on a mission. So you yes. get to see that these guys who might go come kind of nameless in the narrative that you're watching are still the making sort of sacrifices. Yeah, they're, they're, they're real people. The extra mm-hmm. who gets killed, yeah. the, the red shirt who gets blown up on the, the away mission is, was a real person. Father, um, yeah. can, but, can we mention like what we know a little bit about the premise that you, you mentioned to me? I don't know if this was on Twitter or, or where it came about, but as far as the, the mission, the mission sure, statement well, for, uh, for the ship. Yes. So their ship has the important and practical mission that we haven't seen in Star Trek before, but they specialize in second contact. After someone like the Enterprise has gone, made first contact with a new world, these people like come in after them and uh, do all of like, setting up communications if they're going to like join the Federation yeah. or like any of that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah the arguably the heavier, yeah. The, yeah. which yeah, I like the kind I think of the really cool. work, maybe. Right. But the less glorious side of it, not yeah. not the the glamorized flagship. So I thought that was a really neat premise. I, I yeah. like that. I like his ideas, so I'm certainly gonna give it a chance and try try checking it out. And I liked what we saw of his writing staff on stage. They seemed to really be jiving together. They would like start a oh. sentence and someone else would finish it. They 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 had like their rapport down, and he talked about how he was interested in only hiring people who were super familiar with Star Trek, who that was close that. to their heart, or people who were willing or or people who were willing to learn about Star Trek mm-hmm. and and but had like some some comedic input to contribute. And he said like they're like the entire writing staff, they're all reading the book. Is it the the fifty year voyage or uh, I'm sorry if um, I got that wrong, but but the book about like the whole like first 50 years of star trek they're all like reading that's that. a surprising amount and, uh, uh, surprising they, they, uh, they, they, intent to bring in the uh to invest the actors in the fictional universe which arguably is not always important to a show you know actors can go and be constant professionals pretend for the duration of the episode that they're acting in and then walk away and have no connection the fact that he's wanting to foster a sort of particular love and fascination with the world setting of star trek uh, and probably uh, presumably have the writers really plug into that too. Uh, definitely speaks to a a deeper uh, intent and uh, commitment to track as a concept than I was uh, the, the, than I expected early on from the show. You know, I expected it to be not throwaway, yeah. but you know, it could be a comedy with just Trek as window dressing. Right. Yeah, that's not the case. And they were kind of like joking around on stage, and I got like the first like little flavor of like what their comedy would be but they're talking about like um i think it might actually be something that they wrote for an episode like what kind of jobs do people like these people who like do the jobs that that aren't the the popular jobs to do that like no one else wants to do in starfleet but he was they're saying like things like um scraping carbon off a slightly harder carbon and like that must be like a joke that they've written that makes sense when you hear it in context because it's like such a specific thing but it's like yeah like they're doing like some like a tedious part of like a scientific experiment or something um and um, we, we got, like, the first little bit of animation. They actually had, like, the, the character pictures that were revealed in San Diego, but they animated them to blink. Yeah. So, technically, that's the first <laughs> Lower Decks animation. And I, I recorded the footage of that's that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I have that posted on Twitter, at TX Trek, if anyone wants to go check out the uh, Twitter post I made of the, the first ever Lower Decks animation. It's only five seconds long. And I, 
I, I love how their character, uh, Ensign Boimler, who is like the kind of neurotic <laughs> Ensign, they were calling him Boims, and I really hope that's like his nickname on the show. Uh, for some reason, I thought that was funny, and then like the name Boimler just says it all about like, yeah, this this guy's kind of a kind of a dork, but um, I, I I'm I'm ready to see like uh that 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 show. I'm ready to see what they they do. I'm I'm very excited for it. Uh, the animation it sounds like it's still in like pretty early steps, so uh, I I don't I don't think we'll get a trailer this year. Um, and Mike McMahon actually commented on that. Um, he said, you know, like, I don't want you to see it until it looks good. So, so yeah, that's all sounding pretty good. Um, is there any anything else we should know about it? Any other any other leaks? Well, I I think I heard a moon pie in the background there, and I'm assuming I'm assuming <laughs> he's he's upset. We're talking about lower decks, and we haven't mentioned the new Cation character, the the cat lady, Doctor uh, Doctor Tiana. I believe is the name of the character. That's right. We talked about her character design because she looked like uh, like a grumpy cat, kind of like every Star Trek or Doctor. Not every, but a lot yes. of them. <laughs> and and unlike weird, uh, fr- well, I don't I don't want to kink shame, but uh, furry fantasy sexy cat Maress from the animated series, nothing like that. Um, which uh, I I think is a good idea. I'd rather have like a funny grumpy cat than uh, a the weird um sexy cat, but. Someone someone asked. Oh, the moderator Jordan Hoffman. He asked Mike McMahon, uh, "Does does Doctor Tiana purr?" And Mike McMahon said, "No, no, she doesn't purr. She is cantankerous and grumpy, a lot like Doctor McCoy or Doctor Pulaski. But she is a super great doctor." But uh, that she, sounds pretty promising. Yeah, I, I think he said like she's that the, the one way to describe her would be as like a super Pulaski. <laughs> like, she hates dealing with people. She hates talking to people. But she's incredibly good at her job. I uh, I kind of hope that she either like hisses or uh, does those low low cat growls like they do when they're fighting. What about uh, coughing up hairballs? Uh. <laughs> uh, so so I don't want him to do that because that's too much of a joke about actual like uh, house cats, and I would not like it if they did it. I hope they don't do it. Now I hate the series. That that would be too much like a uh, Linus sneezing on people in the Discovery, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, well, no show is perfect. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, that, that actually does sound good. I'm I like, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her character, a cranky Cation. Um, Father, out of curiosity, uh, at the um, at the con, were there any kind of? Uh, you said that you were a little disappointed that there weren't any big announcements going on. Uh, anything else that you think that they could improve, or that was just like kind of, oh, that's too bad, disappointing. Um, I mean, that's like a weird question for me because I'm, I felt like I was pretty familiar with Star Trek Las Vegas from just being envious of people who were here every year until this year. So I I think I kind of knew what to expect and, um, there, there wasn't really anything else I would say I was disappointed in. Um, I, I kind of wish that, uh, Vegas itself was a little cheaper, um, but, uh, (laughs) drinks and food can be a little pricey, but, um, unless you're... Unless you're heading up the slot machine or the blackjack table, in which case you can drink for free. But <laughs> well, that um, sounds like a great idea. Everybody should go there and do a lot of that. <laughs> I think that's their whole uh, marketing plan for but, Vegas. Antonia, what about you? Do you think there's anything they could do better? Um, 
I would say one of my favorite panels was one of the ones earlier in the week. I think the first day with Rob Perlman and J.K. Woodward, they did Mad Libs. Oh, I, yeah, that was fun. I love the, the – and I feel like the – Were they Star Trek this, Mad Libs? Yes. Yeah. And that was actually something that they invented on the cruise. Rob Perlman being the, the writer who wrote books like – um. Like the the C Kirk and Spock or whatever that I actually I have this book he signed it for me I should like know the what the name of it books. is but yeah yeah the, the the funny ones not the actual golden <laughs> books but oh um, right right gotcha but yeah so but but J K Woodward during this was um they took the first story and he was drawing out a scene from the very first Mad Lib we did uh-huh. um and it was cool because we had to, you know the audience had to shout out you know adjectives and nouns a and bunch of like perverts like, yeah. I should say, but... <laughs> I think it would be more fun on the cruise and everyone's more liquored up in the evening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it would have been more perverted, but uh, it was still, I like the, I like the audience interact. I like the panels. Don't get me wrong, but um, I would have enjoyed more interactive programming like that. Yeah. The sillier stuff. Yeah. The yeah that sounds stuff. fun. Uh, I am i I'm a particular fan of Mad Libs and uh, yeah. my family and I kind of do what we call a curated Mad Libs where uh, I will um, uh, ask for, like, an adjective or whatever, and I will take their answers, and I will throw back some of them. I will not, uh, I, I will, like, wait until I hit the one that I think is the funniest, mm. or even try it out, uh, try some of them out in the other adjective spaces in there. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit frustrating, I think, if you're the one shouting it out, but once it's done, it's a thing of beauty. It. When I read it back, it's, it's A-list material. I do think I have the Star Trek Mad Libs, so, Father, I think we need to see if we can maybe find a way to uh, incorporate this into the uh, into the uh, uh, show at some point. Maybe I we can, yeah. maybe we I, can take uh, Twitter suggestions and things like that. Yeah, I have it too. Um, if if we ever if uh, YouTube doesn't mess up any future plans for live streams, I think that'd be a perfect uh, live interaction with our audience. So, if if anyone out there listening would like that, by all means, let us know, and it's something we will work on arranging. Yeah, but That's all fun. in all, it sounds like uh, it sounds like y'all had a blast. I uh, I, I wish I'd been there. <laughs> well, there's always next year, and we did yeah. run into a a fan of Text Trek who recognized me from YouTube, uh, Lillian. So hi, Lillian, if you're listening. That's and very dope. I recorded a <laughs> short little interview with her, um, in which she says uh, hi to you, Dave, and says that. You are obligated to come next year. Yeah. Oh well, I guess I guess there's the uh, there's the uh, excuse I needed. <laughs> it already sounded pretty cool, but yeah, I will definitely come by and and high five Lillian next year uh, if she is there as well. Yeah, she's local. I think she has gone. Yeah, to she com- she comes every year. It sounded yeah. like. Man, that that's got to be the coolest to be like living right next to the big track convention. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, that pretty much covers it all. Oh, and they had the Star Trek Picard, the first duty exhibit here. I got footage of that. So uh, there, I got I got a few things. I'm going to try to drop some videos uh, maybe throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, so uh, just be on the lookout. Uh, be Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel because a lot of the stuff is not going to be enough content for a full podcast, but it will just be dropped as short, little digestible YouTube videos here and there. Just the kind of thing somebody could listen to on the drive to work. For sure. Well, very cool. Should we uh, should we call it there and uh, uh, then uh, begin planning our next episode? Yeah, so we will hopefully be back next Sunday, and you will actually be able to see our faces, um, or unfortunately, uh, depending on how you, you feel about the way we look. And we should have uh, Brian 
with us again, our most frequent guest star. Um, and we shall, or guest host, I sh- whatever the terminology is for podcast people. But we shall continue our text Trek summer at the movies and get into those uh, Kelvin films by talking about Star Trek 09 uh, by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, the, uh, the really the one true Trek, I find. <laughs> uh, uh, well... But yeah, yeah I, I believe we all have uh, varying stripes of fondness for them. Uh, so digging into that is going to be fun. Uh, tearing in a new one uh, at times is going to be fun. And I'll be curious to see, like, because I'm going to tell you all about some things that, like, I hated when I first saw it, but they grew on me or that I still hate uh, or that are just weird. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be super cool to talk there, about. There is no shortage of opinions where okay. I think any of those three movies are concerned, especially the first two. But yeah, yeah we're gonna okay. be uh, we're gonna be rolling out on those. Well, sounds good. Well, all right, and uh, on that note, we will sign off. But until next time, live long, live long and, and prosper, prosper, y'all. Thank all of you so much for checking out this installment of Text Trek. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please be sure to like our YouTube videos and subscribe to our channel. Uh, Audio-only version of episodes are available at our website, www.text-trek.com. Please check out our site, especially if you just want an audio-only podcast. Uh, We have that available for you. Y'all can also keep up with us online. You can follow us on Twitter, at TXTrek, or you can uh, check us out on Facebook at www dot facebook.com slash text dash trek please by all means let us know what you think by dropping a comment anywhere you see fit Uh, we definitely want to hear your feedback let us know what you liked and what you would like to see more of what you would like to see differently going forward if you want to email me directly uh, go ahead i can be reached at fatheryactual at text dash trek dot com thank all y'all again take care